0: Welcome to Recast, presented by the Baptist Union of Scotland. Each episode will look at a key issue of mission or discipleship for church leaders in Scotland. We will be bringing you key voices, practical insights, and unique stories, all focused on the church in Scotland.
1: welcome to the recast welcome to our summer series of podcasts uh, and this one's a little different because it's not just me on my own or lisa on her own we're both here Woo-hoo, hello. uh and we're not just both here uh, we also have a guest with us and uh, we are delighted to have ali ling with us ali hi hi glenn hi lisa
2: hello everyone
1: You've been on the podcast before too, so you're like a return guest on this.
2: I, I was a guinea pig. I believe you got me to test it out at one point, Glenn, right at the beginning.
0: Mm-hmm. And we had That's, a
2: random conversation and then I don't know if that... Did it go out? I think Yeah, it did, I think it did. Think.
0: You were obviously an excellent tester. guinea pig because we've done really are. well since then. So. We've done all yeah. right. We've done all <laughs> right.
1: So, uh, listen, we've got you here because you uh, did one of the talks at canopy and we're excited to hear about that but perhaps not everybody knows who you are so it would be really helpful to know who is Ali who is Ali or oh,
2: that how profound and how much time do you have Glenn for that answer uh, well we've got in, 20 in the minutes room. the
1: more time you talk on this the less time you'll have for
2: your talk oh, well, so okay, take okay, and make it, make really up your quickly, mind then. So in terms of my role, well, I'm a colleague of yours and Lisa's. I uh, work in serving the national team uh, as the younger and digital lead and have done for more years now realise I think Uh, I'm married to Jill we've got two kids Joshua and Julia Uh, I spend a lot of time driving kids to clubs uh, sports clubs and all sorts of things like that Uh, fan of Partick Thistle fan of Scotland fan of football so I'm a happy man just now apart from the Partick Thistle that's just perennial pain and uh, (laughs) other than that yeah that'll do and
0: you're about to go on holiday Ali aren't you
2: I'm very much looking forward to going on holiday and going to see some sun although I've enjoyed seeing the sun so often this year. Yeah, it's been, Beth, good. Beth, it's been good.
0: Yeah. Ali, I thought that your um your talk at Canopy was just outstanding. Um and um and actually that's partly because of the content um, and partly just because of the sense of kind of heart and the spirit of God that was there as well, I think. And um Tell us a little bit about how you chose the passage that you chose to speak on. The other thing was that it kind of resonated so well with what Pete had said in the morning. It was almost as if God had been involved in the whole preparation. But uh, Yeah,
2: and uh, we hadn't talked to each other beforehand. Yeah, so tell us a little um, bit about how
0: you, how you came to the conclusion of what you were going to talk about.
2: Uh, yeah, well, it, it, sometimes... I think Scripture does just find you, doesn't it, or a bit of the Bible just won't leave you alone uh, to the point. So I found myself in umpteen situations, at least three church services where folk were talking or used as an illustration mm-hmm. the passage from Luke, uh, Luke five one to eleven, the calling of the first disciples and the miraculous catch of fish and. Um, And then we were at something and there was a mural in the wall of one of the churches. And me and Jill got a cheesy selfie with it, which was funny. Uh, I didn't share that on the screen. Not that anyone could have seen the screen at Canopy in the summer because of the sunlight anyway. Um, And then I phoned the kids' uh, ministry team from Canopy and they were doing the same passage. And I hadn't prescribed a passage for them. They just said, oh, that's the passage that we're doing. Mm -hmm. And I just kept coming across it and coming across it. I thought, oh, Lord, maybe there's something in this for us for this moment mm-hmm. um so what is that and hopefully um the passage did have something for for the folks and for us as a as a as a movement just now so
0: and for those of us that can't remember Luke 5 off by heart just give us a little <laughs> synopsis of the story
2: well <laughs> um uh yeah so um Simon and Andrew and uh, James and John have been out fishing all night, caught nothing, cleaning their nets on the beach. And then rather annoyingly, a man called Jesus comes along and starts speaking and gathers a crowd. And because there's so many people there, he says to them, can I borrow your boats? Because I want to go out a little bit. So they get roped into whatever was going on, they find themselves in the boat with Jesus speaking from their boat and on conclusion of his talk, gets them to cast out a little bit and throw their nets out into the deep water, despite the fact they caught nothing the night before and they'd been up all night. And of course, there's a miraculous catch of fish that took, both boats to get the water get the fish back in uh they're in danger of sinking and um i don't know what happens to the fish eventually but because jesus turns to them and says why don't you leave your nets and follow me mm-hmm. and uh, i'll make you a fisherman kind of thing and away they go when he calls the first disciples so uh, miracles in the midst of it and fishermen changing their profession and in the length it took jesus to do whatever it is jesus does and, yeah.
0: and a lot of fish and chips i imagine somewhere a lot of the fish and
2: chips someone someone financially benefited greatly from all those fish yeah. we don't know if it was them but someone did like there was a, a a big haul came in and who knows what happened and where those fish ended up
0: <laughs> so that wasn't the most profound thing you said in the in your talk no today. no that Potentially wasn't my main could have point but... um, t- tell us a little bit about what you sensed that the lord was saying as you
2: were thinking well, it was, well it was interesting i, I mean i think um Openness versus closeness were the two words that came to mind quite quickly on it. And I I think there was four openings throughout that that, um, passage that I think are important for us to just, all of us to reflect on in our own spiritual walks with God, but also just as a a church movement maybe to consider as well. But even just the idea of openness versus closeness, I mean, good things happen when there's openness. Open body language You know, things can happen, closed body language, nothing's going to happen there. They're just nice opposite words, you know, openness is just, oh, things can happen. And I think in the backdrop of increase, I I think these four openings that we see throughout the passage are uh, potentially helpful for us to think about what does it mean to be uh, people who expect to see God's increase and blessing. In and through our, our ministry whether we're church leaders or whether we're, we are church members or whatever aspect of life we, we should see fruitfulness and growth so the four the four openings were um are we open to listen are we open to the and then i couldn't quite settle in my, my second opening So I had four things. Are we open to the exceptional, the remarkable, the ridiculous, or even the miraculous? Are we open (laughs) to something exceptional or ridiculous or miraculous happening? The third one was are we open in our hearts? And the the fourth one was open to our So we had these four openings, and the first being open to listen, which is, of course, you've got these tired fishermen who are cleaning their nets, getting ready to go out, They'd probably heard various preachers because of the era and time they were in over the times preaching in that area. Maybe they hadn't seen quite as big crowds with those preachers, but they'd heard it before. And there's no evidence in the passage that says that they were listening particularly to what Jesus was saying. They just get involved. And so you get these tired fishermen who actually say yes. They were open to listen. They made the boats available They get out mm-hmm. there. And, and I guess the simple the simple takeaway was that was if we want to see if we are people who follow Jesus we've got to be open to listening to him mm-hmm. and not just as a kind of in theory we listen to you Lord but actually spend time and be willing to be inconvenienced mm-hmm. break up our patterns and our, and our normal habits and business of life and actually take time to go away and to listen to what you're saying and um, and, yeah, we all know this to be true, prayer, right? It's what it's called, opening to listen. Prayer's not just about asking, it's about listening. And uh, I wonder how many things we miss in our life. It's just a personal thought. How many things have I missed from the Lord because I don't listen? I'm very good at asking in prayer, but maybe I don't listen in prayer enough. And how 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 delayed are some things that could happen in ministry and in life because I've just not taken the time to listen, to slow down, to be still. I'm just not, you know, that's um a challenge for many of us. And I know I think that's why I'm really glad as part of the, the you know, the this increased vision that as a wider union we're we're trying to encourage our churches towards that. At the heart of it is prayer. And prayer not just being intercession and asking, but being about encounter. And being with Jesus, because you've got to be with Him to heal. It's not something that happens unless we take, take the time and inconvenience to be there. So that was listening, and then the, the second was open to. And I, and I think my favourite of the four words that I said: they're exceptional, remarkable, ridiculous, and miraculous. It's probably ridiculous. You know, if you if you if you read through this, the, the 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 gospels or even into Acts. There's some quite frankly ridiculous asks being made. Either folk have dreams, or folk get asked by Jesus to do things. Go and get go into that town and get a donkey back for me, because that's a normal thing. You know, there's there's lots of ridiculous things. Are going to that fish out. that? You know, here's a fish. There's a coin in the mouth. There's ridiculous things that happen, and you see, or or there's a wee man up a tree. I'm going to go and have my dinner at his house. Or there's a woman at the well. And things open up. And it, it strikes me... So, so, Jesus is not stupid. The fishermen aren't stupid. They've been out all night when you fish. They know you don't catch fish in the daytime. And Jesus says, throw out the nets. And so they're open to ridiculous. Not only are they open to ridiculous, they're open to fully putting their nets out, all their nets out. And they need all their nets to be out. And I think in, in the talk I talked about, it, sometimes we, we, we don't... We're reluctant to put the fullness of our nets out when there's a, we we says, oh, maybe Jesus has asked me to do something, but I'll Mm. mitigate that with caution. And we justify that through experience. Actually, it's hurt that's dictating our past, hurts that are dictating our actions, rather than wisdom often. But we go, oh, we'll put our wee bit, and we had the wee net that so many of us would Mm. cast our wee net and not our big net. We had our big 50-foot net in the canopy hall. We we unfurled that Mm. and put that out. And I think as a church, I would love us to reclaim a more regular habit of seeing the ridiculous manifest. I mean, I think already we see um, little stories now and again of people seeing remarkable things Mm. happening when they put out a little net because they believe that Jesus has asked them to do that. And I wonder how much more we might see if we're willing to put out bigger nets Yeah, Yeah, sorry.
0: No, I was just going to say, Ali, that I think that was one of the most profound moments of when you were speaking because I think it has resonated so much with people of going, yeah, I've been disappointed and things haven't worked out how I've hoped or I've got hurt and so I'm scared to put my little net out even, let alone the big one. You know, I've, I've done that all night and nothing happened and now you're telling me that I need to do something crazy I don't know if I want to do that. I felt like that was a really profound moment of, you know, just us needing to kind of come to the Lord and, and be healed, you know, and actually be restored and have a have a courage for a second chance uh, or a third chance, yeah. whatever. It just, I just felt like a really important moment. I think the fact you had the little net and the huge net was just really impacting as well. Um, yeah.
2: And I think... I, it was the again feature, that part of the story that, that got me. How many of us do something once? I mean, maybe do it twice, but to do it a third time. And it's the fact that the guys in the boat, Simon Peter is willing to do it again, to Throw, but because you say so, I'll throw it out. And, you know, sometimes we need to allow God into our hearts to get to that point that we're willing to actually say, but because you say so. I'm not asking us to do, you know, the definition of madness is doing the exact same thing over and over again, expecting different results. And I'm not advocating that. But what I am advocating is if we sense that Jesus is asking us to do something, even if we've done that a thousand times before, maybe it's that one person that's been on a prayer list that we've tried awkwardly to share faith with before, but we've been rebuffed and broken down or it's that relationship that's not in a great space. And and they come back to our heart and our mind again. Maybe it is to be the people that are willing to go again in that in, in the individual thing. Or maybe it's churches we have tried to run alphas or Christianity explored or something like that, and nobody came. But maybe there's a there's a there's a fresh, you know, there's times in the Lord and maybe maybe we have to acknowledge. I think we do need to acknowledge the pain of disappointment when it's not happened before. And I'm not sure these churches were always very good at doing that. We moan about them not working very well, but I don't know if we allow healing to come in the pain and the disappointment. And so next time we cast, we cast a reduced net with reduced expectation. So I think, yeah, my my sense in the passage is we've got to be open to the ridiculous that might lead to the miraculous. Maybe that's a better way to to say it. and the healing of disappointments that come along with that, because you can you can't be open to the ridiculously miraculous without the disappointment. And we've all got them, whether that's personal or as churches. Um, which maybe leads us to the next one, which is open in heart, because of course Simon Peter falls to his knees when the fish comes in and says, You know, I'm a sinful man. And it just struck me, if you look at the scriptures of the reactions of people to Jesus. Very little, very, very rarely, if at all, are they ever sedate or, well, that was a pleasant amount of time, Jesus, thank you ever so much. You know, either irate anger, or more often than that, there's tears or there's falling on knees or there's celebration and exuberance or there's joy.
1: Mm.
2: And I wonder, both good and bad, if um, it's really important that we are open in our heart and our emotions and, and by heart i mean emotions i'm not looking for emotionalism within our churches and spirituality, but i'm looking for emotions to be expressed because i see emotions fully expressed in the person of jesus christ and i am an emotional being made in the image of god therefore emotions are part of who we are and by the way i just think in terms of outreach and reaching the 95 or 97 percent of scotland that i know where the gas stays they want something that genuinely helps their emotional state. Because if you've not noticed, we're in a bit of an emotional crisis just now as a nation, as individuals. And if the church don't have something to speak and to minister into that state, if we are not able to truly do that, and I have been in many gatherings over my many years in ministry and around churches where emotions seem to be the most, you know, the thing that you want out the service. How can we be right? How can we be accurate? How can we be theologically true? And we talk about joy. I mean, it's, you know, it's the old cliche of joy being a serious matter. But it's sometimes just a sombre matter in a lot of the ways we do it. Or scepticism about people who express emotion. Or, that, you know, someone smiled or someone cried or someone did that and everyone was awkward. And nobody knows what to do. And nobody knows whether to put a hand on their shoulder. And i like, well, I don't know a healthy family that when someone cries, people don't go and embrace them and look after them. And I don't know a healthy family that when someone's celebrating, the rest of the family don't get around and celebrate with them. Mm. And if we're church's family, which I might be wrong in that, but as I picked up, I think that is a way of understanding church to be. I feel that we need to recapture something of what it is to demonstrate and live out emotional lives in a healthy way. And I think when we see Simon Peter here, healthily aware of the awesomeness and wonder of Jesus there, you know, who knows what it is. When you, uh, we've had? We've all hopefully had times where we've just been struck down. But when was the last time we were struck down? Mm. And uh, I don't think that's meant to end. Oh, that was just when I first came to Jesus, I had that emotional high. I, I, I think we're meant to live our emotions and in part, part of who we are for the whole life. Not just at the end. Um, Anyway, I don't know. What do you guys think about openness and heart and emotion? Am I allowed to turn the question back to you guys?
1: Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I think you're right. You know, I think it's pretty clear that uh, I think partly our Scottish culture, partly our church culture, um, we. We push a lot of that down, I think, and and we 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 don't comfortably embrace um, emotion terribly easily, and we get so worried about emotionalism. And I think it's just simple to say emotionalism is not the risk in ninety nine percent of the Baptist churches in Scotland. That that is not the risk we run. Uh, we run a risk that much more of stoicism, uh, and and maybe we need to just let go a little and actually trust that opening our emotions and uh, to use your language heart to Jesus might see us falling down on our knees or weeping or whatever mm-hmm. because that seems to be what happens when people encounter Jesus right so no I think I think you're onto something.
0: It's interesting isn't it how um, we don't have a problem with emotions at like the football. Yeah. Like, I mean we say that we're not very emotional and uh, and yet there's contexts Uh, where we're really happy to be emotional and yeah so that's all all good isn't it but I think that open-hearted to Jesus and expectant of what he's going to do in us is a really a really important part of this isn't it so yeah.
2: um, Can I ask a question Lisa because there's just a thought came to my mind as you were speaking there is that because when you really let your emotions go, you lay bare who you really are—good, mm-hmm. bad, and indifferent. And I wonder, do we actually have communities at which we are able and feel safe enough to lay ourselves fully bare and fully known? Mm-hmm. I, I kind of read as it, as maybe, I, maybe I overread and over hope. I don't—I'm not sure I do, but I kind of hope that the earlier church were far more visible about who they truly were—good, bad, and indifferent. They shared it all, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I wonder if we could learn something more about that. We live very guarded lives. And um I wonder if emotions when fully expressed reveal something of of who you are. Mm-hmm. And we struggle to do that because of I guess shame and I'm not Brenny Brown, so I've not got as much to say on shame as <laughs> you know, and for anyone who wants to find out about shame, read Brennan Brown stuff is it is excellent. But I, I do wonder if there's something there about maybe we've got a formalness in our churches that just hinder us from being truly family and community and oneness and ultimately it's 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 guardedness isn't it and and yeah because uh, it's the space it things.
1: is the space and you touched on this there that 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 what what are we offering the world because because <laughs> the truth is it's not just about emotionalism in the sense of you know being super joyful in worship or you know, mm-hmm. deeply emotional tears or kneeling or whatever it is, but you know, at, at, at some sort of response or altar call or whatever. It, it, it's the ability to say this is all too much for me just now. Mm-hmm. It's the, the the place to say, um I, I'm depressed and, and and to genuinely that not to be a shameful thing in the community, yeah. but that to be owned and 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 for us to have Uh, I want to say solutions. I don't think I really mean solutions, but I I mean responses maybe that are legitimately helpful in that space, Mm -hmm. both in the practical way, but also in the emotional way. People who will come and sit with you in the midst of your depression, somebody that will come and offer to help out with your kids to give you a little bit of breathing space because Mm -hmm. you feel overwhelmed, these sorts of things. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I think there are some profound ways in which are uh, we can work that out as as church families that are not just inward looking but that do offer something of the hope of the gospel in really really tangible ways mm. it's a great point Ellie. you got mm. one more point
2: yeah the simple one and open to pigeons mm. leave your nets and follow me mm. and um i i sometimes wonder if if sometimes convictions can be very much rooted in a good thing. But as time and maturity goes on with God, sometimes our convictions can become the enemy of actually obedience Mm -hmm. to where the Spirit and Jesus would want us to lead. And uh, I I guess guess by that, I mean, you know, if Simon Pierre was, well, I've got conviction, I've got to look after my parents and my mother-in-law, and I've got a wife, and I need to look after all these folks he would never have left Mm and followed Jesus, right? Mm. and sometimes good meaningful convictions can be in the midst so it is good to raise kids and look after them it is good to have a house it is good to work hard these are not bad things but if the convictions and priorities of those convictions are wrong they become enemies of Mm. perhaps the obedience of fallen Christ into whatever he calls us to be Mm. and uh, and so I, I think we need to be open again to our heritage, which is to be radical in our obedience. If you look at the heritage of, of not just Baptist churches, but just people in free churches, full stop, they were far more willing to do some radically obedient things in terms of relocating or, or doing things differently. And I, and I wonder if we need to be more obedient. And in the process of that, maybe those of us who see someone attempting to be obedient need to be a bit more encouraging and supportive of people especially if that obedience might look different to how we understand christianity to be lived out in terms of maybe new expressions of church and things like that are being more creative and mission we need to actually look for the heart and the jesus in the movement
1: mm-hmm.
2: and uh, and be blessing and supportive rather than perhaps maybe we've become a wee bit institutional and critical of things that are new or skeptical of the new or of people who are groups who are moving out and in, 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 in what they believe to be obedience to the spirit. That's not to say we shouldn't have great questions and ask and help people to work out <laughs> if they're being obedient to the spirit rather than just going off on a rebellious quest or, a, or a, off on a whim. But we Brilliant. need to be open to obedience.
1: Brilliant. So, four opennesses, Ali, open yeah. to listen, open to the ridiculous that leads to the miraculous open-hearted and open in obedience brilliant brilliant mm-hmm. stuff uh thanks for sharing that with us
0: thank you yeah i think uh there's just so much in there as we read that story again just feel like it's going to be uh, resonating is there anything else you want to add that could people could have a look at to encourage them or do they just need to keep thinking about it and talking to jesus about it well, yeah do
2: that as a priority in life like in terms of emotional stuff can't get there's there's the whole stuff emotional healthy spirituality mm. stuff that uh, pete and jerry Schizero do yeah. you can google that and find all that those resources really helpful stuff there particularly the emotional stuff um what's in there but you can't be just spending day with jesus
0: oh, that's a great place to end right thank you so much ali really great to have you with us this afternoon
1: thank thanks you. mate thanks